0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey guys, no fancy intro today. I just felt the need to have a bit of a reaction show, a bonus episode, because there was a big mic drop this week from the Biden administration. They're reviving the cancer moonshot, which if you're unfamiliar, was something they put into place after Trump took office and Beau Biden tragically lost his life. Joe and Jill, like like I know them, Joe and Jill, started something called the Biden Cancer Initiative in hopes of figuring out what the next version of actually getting something done would mean to the government. And it fell by the wayside. And then he ran for president. And here we are a year into his administration. And my God, mic drop, mic drop. It's back. All the players that I kind of grew up with in the cancer space were there at the White House for this announcement. They got the band back together. It's a really big deal, and they wanted to have two very important people on the show who were part of the first Biden Cancer Initiative moonshot that I've known for many, many years. David and Robin Dubin, repeat offenders here on Out of Patients and co-founders of Alive and Kickin' which is an amazing nonprofit focused on Lynch syndrome and colorectal cancer prevention. David and Robin were kind enough to donate 15 minutes of their time to react with me to this news. So here we go. Okay, so David and Robin Dubin are here joining me on this bonus episode reaction to the Biden mic drop this week. The moonshot is back. Can you guys give us some details? What have you unearthed from this, David? Why are you picking me? You're more handsome. I am not more handsome. Well, she's more beautiful. You're more handsome. Come on, give me a
1: break. But she has better facts than I do.
0: Oh yeah, okay, fine. We're tossing it to Robin. The husband <laughs> can go away now. Sure, there no pressure, go. no Robin pressure. Robin in British. What's all this then? <laughs>
2: so, I thought this was a very exciting surprise. We know that some of the people that we had worked with in the past on the Biting Cancer Initiative and that were in the White House from the previous Cancer Moonshot, when it was announced five years ago, are in the White House again. So we knew that this was going to be a priority. I think that the pandemic sidelined it a bit, but it's really exciting that they're putting new energy and new focus on the Cancer Moonshot and all of the activities that they plan on doing are... um, are things that are really can have huge impacts on the patient community so i'm excited about that
0: yeah and for the listeners robin and david were part of the original biden camp initiative when it launched come on take some credit they're, they're like shaking <laughs> okay. their heads now on the on the air no no <laughs> take some credit you were involved with that you knew the man you knew jill i wish i had some like inside baseball that this was coming in advance <laughs> right sounds like you did we- to an extent or no
2: I expected something at some point because I knew this was going to be a big feature and knowing that there were people in the White House that were going to be working on it. But the fact that they made the big announcement yesterday, I was not expecting that until I saw a couple of our other colleagues that we worked with at the Biden Cancer Initiative that had been invited to attend the briefing in person and said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We had gotten involved with the Biden Cancer Initiative shortly after it was formed, after the Obama administration ended. And we were included in a lot of the activities they did. And we worked directly with some incredibly smart people who were bringing together a wide variety of groups, patient advocacy organizations and technology and... Diagnostic companies and data informatics. There was a lot of effort to get everyone talking to each other and collaborate. And I think we're going to probably see a lot of that happening again.
1: When you look at the initiatives that they're pushing, I mean, they're in line with a number of the initiatives that were put forth uh, five years ago. And we're pleased to say that they're initiatives that fall in line with what we're trying to accomplish at Alive and Kick. And so we're, we're very excited to see them come to fruition.
0: My head first went to the movie Day with Kevin Klein, where at the end he says, I'm going to give every American a job if they want it, like with no details and no specifics. And there you go. So that's my first go, reaction. Go, go, go. Yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> Do your thing. Exactly. Then Ving Graham's is the bodyguard at the end and everything is fine. Pop culture references aside from the 1990s, the top two lines here cut cancer death rates in half in the next 25 years, which I think is reasonable, and then improve the lives of people with cancer and their families again. Hopefully the devil will be in the details as the journalists and in the industry start to push what does this really mean? How do we help? But David, you and I were living with better problems to have than dying many, many years ago. What's your take on living with cancer, improving the lives of people beyond cancer? Are we entitled to things because we didn't die? Or is it like we're just gonna be, hey, it's better than not be dead?
1: Well, I think it's it's a combination of both. I think we are entitled to certain things because we didn't, in fact, die, at least as far as I checked this morning, we have not. Um, (laughs) Although the day ain't over yet. But I think you and I have reached a point in our careers where we understand that living with cancer is in fact living with cancer. It's there. It's going to be there. You know, Eventually, if we all live long enough, we're we're all going to get prostate or breast cancer. So it's one of those things that if you have the ability to put some effort behind this uh, from a collaborative standpoint, uh, I think you do have the ability to live with cancer with the goal of not having to live with cancer. It's a hard way to describe it, but as having been through it so long ago, I think we've evolved in our approach of how to approach cancer and how to respect it as, as something that's part of life.
0: Robin, David, we're old enough to remember the time that the NCI changed their mission from curing cancer to eliminating death and suffering from cancer, and the world shat their bed because they did that. Like, we're not saying cure anymore, and here we are like, 15 years later, the word cure is not part of this again. I think that's fantastic. Do you think there will be some kind of response that we're not trying to cure it anymore? Is that still a word people are clinging to?
2: Well, I think it is a tough one because there are so many survivors out there who are living past cancer and surviving cancer. Are they cured or is a cure being able to prevent cancer from happening. Because cancer is so many different diseases, as we have learned over the last number of years, how personalized it is. I mean, personalized medicine wasn't a thing when they were talking about curing cancer. Now, there's so much more information. There's the genomic makeup of your tumor and what kind of treatments that may mean. So that's completely a different thing from curing cancer. I mean, to me, curing cancer would be finding a way to prevent it from ever happening to anyone. And I don't know if that's an achievable goal. And I don't see how the National Cancer Institute can kind of have as their tagline something that's not an achievable goal.
0: Right. And David, one of the other initiatives here is to encourage people to get regular cancer screenings and to give more access to home screenings. You focus in the Lynch syndrome space, which is precursor potentially to colorectal cancer. What could that possibly look like in your wheelhouse?
1: I think we've seen the rise of uh, telemedicine as an initiative for you know, for treating people, especially during these times when many of us are either unable or unwilling to uh, make it out there and and be in in the public space at this point. So you have a lot of screening options now you can do using video, using a, a telephone, because it has become so routine now. So you can look at skin and you can you know, have conversations about symptoms where you don't have to go to an office anymore and and wait and fill out forms. Um, So you have a lot of options. Your colonoscopy is still going to be something that probably has to be done in person. I'm pretty sure we can't get past that one. Although
0: Rosie the robot just going to show up one day and that's the Jetsons are going to solve all our problems.
1: (laughs) I look forward to Rosie the robot paying me a visit. Um, (laughs) But you you get my point. The ability to transfer information electronically has really opened up some doors and has allowed this to occur. Genetic counseling and genetic testing have both been remote for a number of years. So uh, when saliva had the ability to detect as well as blood in terms of DNA, it, it opened up a lot of doors. And now you have testing being done from home shipped off to the netherworld results coming back and then you have a a specialist being able to walk you through what it actually means uh, namely typically a genetic counselor that's been going on for years and has really just really blown up over the last couple of years and, and I think it's a good thing.
0: Yeah, I'd like to believe all of this does fall under infrastructure, and it's not just roads and buildings. Just making sure we kind of try to not get cancer to the best extent. Uh, the final question here: all the headlines are like Biden relaunches cancer-fighting moonshot. I know that's all sensationalism and it's hyperbole, but for people like us that kind of live in the ether of the Apple Corps, do we like the word "fight" anymore, or is that still something we need to say to the public?
2: I think that's kind of a personal thing. Every individual. Who is dealing with a cancer diagnosis, whether it's themselves or a family member or someone close to them, kind of has a different emotional response and way of dealing with how they tackle everything that they have to go through to manage their treatment, their care, their survivorship. And some people embrace that battle fight mentality because that gives them strength and other people other people don't like that kind of focus because it makes them feel like if their prognosis doesn't go the way they hope or someone ends up losing their battle with cancer that there was something that they should have done differently or more to prevent that from happening fight
0: hard enough right
2: Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of people who have that reaction to it because of that so i think it's really personal in how people deal with it and and you kind of have to go with whatever those individuals are comfortable with.
0: Yeah, I'd like to believe this is potentially the most nonpartisan thing this administration can do to hopefully unite the country. Anyway, wrapping up, over, under, optimist, pessimist, realist, or wait and see?
2: I'm an optimist because I think we have so much happening in research and the advancement of treatments and diagnostics for Prevention for early detection and for treatment that we are going to see this, you know, reduction in the number of lives lost that they're aiming for. I truly believe that there's a lot of game changing opportunities out there right now. And if by organizing this around a cancer moonshot, they can amplify that and move it forward at a faster speed by getting everyone to collaborate and work together. That's kind of I think their goal is to make sure that everybody is working together and moving things forward as quickly as we can.
0: All right, David Duman, take us home. Optimist. Done. 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 I like it. I'm a cockeyed pessimist, but I think this country needs this. And I'm really While it's absolutely tragic that Bo passed away and this is what he and Jill decided to do with their passion and their purpose, that they can bring this into the administration at this pivotal moment, I think is a really good thing. And regardless of what happens, it's better than nothing. And that's kind of where I sit. So I'm pleasantly surprised and I can't wait to see what does actually happen. I agree. All right. This is the closest I'm ever coming to TikTok. (laughs) With my 15-minute podcast booster shot. But I want to thank David Dewan, Robert Dewan from Alive and Kicking to join me here. You are my favorite correspondents that came on the show today.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. (laughs) I love you guys. More to come. We'll have you back soon. Take care. Okay. Thanks a lot.
1: Bye. That's all for now.
0: If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us what you'd like Matthew to cover in his next episode by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Out of Patients is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Betsy Shepard. Our host is Matthew Zachary. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Betsy Shepard. For advertising and media inquiries,
1: email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.